Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I'm your host, Tessa Zali, and we have our very first episode of 2024 today. It's a new season with a returning guest. I'm so excited to have her back. One of our previous episodes was actually one of the top streamed episodes to date in my podcast. And I think that is because she just shares such valuable insights that estheticians really need to hear when it comes to finances, taxes, all of the things. So highly encourage you guys to go back, give that one a listen. I have a whole new set of questions for her today, and I can't wait to hear more about how her business has evolved since we last chatted. So welcome to the show, Miracle Workman. Hi, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. We're so glad to have you back. How are you now that you're a mom? You're a seasoned business owner. How's everything going? It is going really good. I We talked last two years ago, which is crazy, and so much has changed just in the last two years. Um, two years ago, I was just two years into my business, and over the last couple of years now, I have continued on my business. I'm still running the same, um, you know, services and same business. But now I'm a mom and I've had a lot of other life changes, such as moving multiple times, remodeling a house, building our forever home. Um, So this last year was really kind of, I would say the last of our chaos and really settling back into like a routine and rhythm of life. Um, So yeah, I'm doing really well. I feel like 2024 is going to be a really good year to kind of dive back into the business stuff now that I've gotten, you know, the flow of being a working mom. That's so amazing. And you guys, Miracle is an esthetician out of Alaska. I love seeing your place. I just feel like the background is so picturesque and the home you guys are building is gorgeous. So congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Do you want to share with everybody who doesn't know you yet or who hasn't listened to your first episode, could you share a little bit about your origin story, how you kind of got into aesthetics and the services and what you focus on your business now? Of course. So I am 29 years old, um, married my high school sweetheart. I hate the term high school sweetheart, but Yeah, we've been together now for 11 years, and we have a one-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old Labradoodle, Leo. Um, I became an esthetician back in 2015, so I'm coming up on, I think that's nine years of being a licensed esthetician. I took that first year off of high school, and me and my husband kind of both tried the college route, and neither of us were really, you know, finding our groove there. We had so much life distraction. Um, So we both ended up picking trades. He went on to do uh, journeyman plumbing, and then I found aesthetics. I really just stumbled upon it. I had never heard of what an esthetician was. And when I heard what it was, I said, you know, I need to have something under my belt. 
Um, I was always taught that you should be working towards something, have something for yourself. Um, and if it wasn't college, I had to find what it was. So aesthetics was what I stumbled upon. So I went to school and in Alaska, you only need 350 hours. So I started in March of 2015. I graduated in May, got my first job in a waxing bar, and it was like a fast-paced walk-in salon. Um, I worked there, really cemented my skills. It was a hard job. I learned so much at that job, <laughs> um, just about customer service, aesthetics, getting your hands on a lot of interesting and different clientele. Um and then from that job, I went on to briefly work in a med spa where I was introduced to Hydrafacial, which is my kind of creme de la creme service that I've done for years now. Um, after the med spa, I worked for a couple of years at a day spa that also had Hydrafacial, Diamond Glow, um, other skincare services. And then when COVID happened in 2020, I said, I'm not going back to work for someone else. It's time I do this for myself. I think I was 25 years old and yeah, I never looked back. Why do you feel so confident in this decision now that you are a business owner? What makes it so good? For me personally, I think there's just so much reward in it. Um, I think like they say, the high, the hardest things in life are also the most rewarding. And I can relate that to everything that's been hard in my life. Um but yeah, I think, you know, at the time in 2020, for those last, like, I think year or two before I really went off to being solo, all I was consuming was, um, so sorry if you can hear my daughter in the back. Hi, Navy. <laughs> um, but all I was consuming was, I think that was not the beginning of solo estheticians, but I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of people rocking it in a treatment room or a salon suite kind of doing their thing but I was seeing people like I think at the time Savannah Boda the Dallas Association we all know she was one of the people I was following in 2019 that had this cute little room and I was like wow like she's using product that I'm using and I love she's doing services on her clients um and yeah so when I took the leap went solo started doing it for myself saw the return on investment, saw how much community support I had, support from my clientele, support from my family and friends. Um, and then of course, like the financial reward of it all too. Like it's a lot of work and you're putting a lot into it to run your own business. But when you really are passionate about something and doing it for yourself, you have, you will end up having financial freedom, um, life flexibility and freedom. Like I'm able to make my own schedule. I never have to request a day off to go on vacation or, you know, just all the things that come along with being your own boss. There's just so much reward to it. So I think never looking back was just, I found where I was meant to be. Yeah, totally. I feel like there is this generation of estheticians and I would say Savannah's part of it. You're part of it. I would like to think I'm part of it, where we're estheticians, we started utilizing social media, and we've had this kind of unprecedented success that I think in generations past, it just hasn't been as much of a thing because people haven't had the visibility and the reach that we now have because of social media. And I think 
you know, when new estheticians go online, they're trying to figure out how much money they could possibly make in this industry. They're seeing these super low figures. I think that's what, you know, we kind of saw when we were researching the career. We didn't know it could be this profitable. But I know there was this article written about you, which I want to read the headline because it's so iconic. But I feel like Miracle is a great example of how you can really use social media to your advantage and how the sky can really be the limit. But this headline, this article says, 28-year-old mom is on track to make 180000 without a bachelor's degree. <laughs> and then you said, in quotes, sometimes I work three hours a day. Yeah, I love that they took that little tidbit from <laughs> the whole interview that we did. Um, so yeah, and last year, the beginning of, um, I think it was February or March of 23, uh, CNBC, well, actually it was a hydrofacial person high up in hydrofacial reached out to me and said, Hey, CNBC is reaching out to us. We have you in mind. Would you be interested in potentially having an article written about you for this segment called, um, oh gosh, what was it called? Uh, making the make it series was this the reporter's name. So women making over six figures without a college degree. Um, so the article actually took months. It was a really cool process. Um, first, I needed all like the proof of my income of my business, literally diving into proof that I like, did I attend college? How many credits did I have? It was kind of crazy. They just needed to fact check everything, um, which I appreciate. But then I had to do like a pre-interview and a prep interview, and then we finally did the full interview. So it was one of the crazier experiences I've had, um, a little more formal and just a really exciting opportunity that I actually have hydrofacial to think and just like the um, connections I've made over the years have always opened up opportunities like this one for me. But yeah, we, yeah. I don't know if you have questions about that, but that was just a really cool opportunity last year that happened. I think so many of us saw that and we're like, yes, a win for Miracle is truly a win for all of us. And it just shows that this really can be a viable career. It can be profitable. You can be making just as much, if not more, as somebody who went to college doing something you really like. But I'd say a question I have for you is say somebody is thinking about going to aesthetic school and they're just not sure how somebody reaches this level of income, could you kind of break it down as far as the services you do and where you think most of your earning potential comes from? Absolutely. So I feel like there's a lot of factors to how much like finance finances you're going to make in this industry. As silly as it sounds, but I think anyone who's kind of in this position understands mindset is probably the number one factor. Um, having a, a good, healthy, positive mindset and understanding your, which me and you talked about this earlier, understanding your limiting beliefs um, and knowing like what I guess you just can't have imposter syndrome. You have to know that the sky is the limit. You have to know your own limiting beliefs around yourself, your work ethic, what is possible for you, regardless of your situation and your upbringing. Um, and then especially your limiting beliefs and your 
your set ideas around money, that kind of all has to be broken down, deconstructed, and thrown out the window. Um, It's something I still work on today. There are times when I thought becoming an esthetician, I was going to make 30 grand a year, and I was happy with it. Um, There were times I never thought I'd make, you know, 50 to $100,000 a year, and I was happy with it. And today, taking home over six, over $100,000, so over six figures in my business goals to do $300,000 in revenue, that's something I never thought I would do. And then still going forward, I think, but I'll never make a million dollars in a year, you know? So it's still something I'm working on deconstructing um, and knowing like, hey, how many times have I proven myself wrong? And I can continue to do that. So I think mindset is number one, being not being afraid to invest in your um, business and education. So I've taken courses from, you know, Bosses and Beauty, Rhea, uh, who teaches so much about running a business and aesthetics business in particular, um, taking other advanced educational courses or just mindset and you know, courses like that. And then lastly, the physical things. I mean, I work no more than 20 hours a week in the treatment room. And I do think there's power and value in not pushing yourself too hard and knowing what your boundaries are so you can sustain a healthy work-life balance, which I think everyone will always constantly be working towards learning what that is for themselves. There may never be a perfect work-life balance, but you have to understand what is too much for you as an individual and what your capacities are. Um, So I actually realized that when I protected my peace, protected my boundaries, you will see more reward on that versus killing yourself to work 30, 40 hours a week in the treatment room. More doesn't necessarily equal more. And then lastly, I guess the really technical stuff, hydrofacial for me, my brow clients, and selling retail that you love and trust. So partnering with brands um, that align with your business and your your clientele's needs and, you know, what is your clientele's issue and problem and how can you provide a solution to those issues and problems within your treatment room and kind of give them that full circle, um, that full circle solution <laughs> to their problem. So retail has been a game changer. Once I really partnered with the right companies and brands that I fully believed in, trust in, get so much good education from, have good support from my uh, reps and, you know, BDMs with those lines, they really help set you up for success and help get you the success and um, return on investment in the treatment room and really just help the overall, your overall client and business. So yeah, hydrofacials, retail, a good mindset, all the things. Amazing answer. Phenomenal answers. Thank you. So I know we were talking a little bit about limiting beliefs, especially around money. And I think for women especially, we can come from a scarcity mindset somehow, I think, just because of society we can kind of absorb that. Was that your experience and how have you kind of tried to get past that? Do you tell yourself affirmations? Was there 
an experience you had? What kind of allowed you to have that shift where you're in this mindset now? It sounds like you feel really positive about money. You're maybe anticipating a million dollars one day. Like, how do you get there? I think it's constantly proving yourself wrong. And I think it's a constant effort and um, it's a choice you have to make in your mind to be that way. So I think growing up for me, I never really saw a lot of money, you know. we. I just had a normal family. I ended up living with my aunt and uncle actually growing up. No one in my family really talked about money, had a lot of money to show for. You know, I had my first job at 16 years old working at Subway, and that was my high school job. I remember my paychecks being every two weeks, like three, four hundred dollars, paying for my own gas and, you know, all the things I had to do if I wanted to go to the movies with friends. Um, We just lived very simply. And so money was never really on the forefront of my mind. Like I said, when I even looked for what I want to be when I grew up and became an adult, money wasn't even a factor to me. It was just, well, I have to do something for myself and I have to be able to like afford any type of lifestyle and pay my bills. Um, So I think, you know, just every step I've taken and started to learn like, hey, I can make money. I can do more than what I thought was possible for myself. I think it's just continuing to prove yourself wrong, set goals that you might feel are unattainable, but you're going to be so proud of yourself and continue to raise your standards when you see that you you can achieve those. And then lastly, investing in, I think, Raya, Raya's course, this, um, six-figure esthetician, Bosses and Beauty. It was an eight-week program I took in 2020, the year I did launch my business. That was one of the very first eye-opening experiences to me for what I had never heard of the term limiting belief or talked so specifically about, oh, what are my views on money and why do I feel like it's not possible for me to do X, Y, Z? So I think that was one of the first times I really sat down to and was taught to analyze that and look at that. And yeah, I think just continuing to prove myself wrong is the biggest shift I've made. So when I launched my business and I saw my revenue and my take home, you know, in that first month or two of my business, that's like, hey, all of this is possible. Look what I'm doing already. Let me just continue to set goals for myself and see what happens. I love that. I still have yet to take Rhea's course, but I hear amazing things. Like everyone really said it changed the trajectory of their business. Yeah, I would be interested to see where I went that first year or two if I hadn't taken her business. Not to say I wouldn't have the success I have now, but I think it really just streamlined and helped me cut any corners, you know, like Mm -hmm. I... Mm-hmm. didn't have to make so many mistakes I might have made because I was learning from someone who had done it all already. And I think her course is a really good one for a beginner solo esthetician. I think mm-hmm. anyone who is working in the treatment room, maybe newer within their first year or two, should 100% take that course. Um, you know, even if it's not their team, too. I actually figured figured out through taking her course that it's not my goal to have a, a whole team of employees and, you know, mm-hmm. build out a whole mm-hmm. storefront and grow, you know, this huge business. 
I actually love operating more with a simple clientele and my simple services and then doing more on the online presence and virtually I found that that's mm-hmm. just better for my lifestyle and what fulfills me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay too. I heard a lot when I was starting out that you kind of had to be this esthetician with a whole team. Otherwise you were this solopreneur and that was this negative thing, but I think it goes to show like everyone's different. Some people might be able to get by just fine and have better mental health, kind of small, fat and happy. So yeah, whatever works for the individual, I think. Exactly. What about, I'm just kind of curious, when it comes to spending money on your business, what is your attitude there? Is that easy for you to do? Do you really think about purchases and rationalize them? Are you kind of like fast and loose with your money? What do you think? Honestly, there's been ebbs and flows over the last four years, times when I won't bat an eye to spend $10,000 on something. Um, You know, I'll see like a a course or a training or it's something I need to place an order for that could be a couple thousand dollars. And there's just seasons in my business where I'm like, yep, got to do it. Swipe the card, like get get those points. Um, And I think it's really helped me again to talk about return on investment when I see that I'm not afraid to make those purchases and spend the money on myself and on my business, spend the money for my clients and to elevate my experience for my clients, to elevate elevate my environment. Um, there's genuinely never, it's never not worth it. Like there's always a good positive return on investment. But then there's also times over the years where I'll go through seasons where I I really don't want to spend a lot of money. And I think that's okay, too. I think it's, again, really knowing yourself. I think you have to have a good balance. You know, there might be times when I was spending too much. And there's also seasons when I'm self-aware that I'm like, hey, why am I scared right now to spend an extra $1,000 on this? I need to kind of evaluate that and why. Um you know, let's break it down. If I spend this money, will I see a return on investment or is it a risk I'm willing to take? So I think it's just kind of being self-aware, being clear on what your vision and your mission is within your business and seeing if purchases align with that. And if they do, I say, go for it. Don't let anything hold you back. Um, I think you'll see the most growth in your business as an individual when you're not afraid to put in the investments on things. You're somebody I feel like is a good person to ask this to. Is there anything that you've found maybe recently, whether it's a really great credit card or, I don't know, software, anything like that, that you would say you recommend to estheticians and business owners, anything that you're like, this is such a great way to make more money or any kind of tool like that? I mean, nothing's really coming to mind. However, I do say like there's so much in the realm of if you are a solo esthetician or business owner in general, I'm a firm believer of using a credit card. (laughs) So I think A, separate your finances. I mean, obviously we know this, but a lot of people might not 
is to keep your personal and your business stuff separate from the get-go. And if you're not already doing that, you need to do that. But B, it will benefit you so much more to understand credit, credit cards, rewards, points. Um, Again, I feel like maybe some people are scared or taught like, oh, stay away from credit at all costs. Don't ever open a credit card. If you understand it and put in the work and know how they work, um, I personally have the Amex Business Platinum credit card and I'm obsessed with it. I actually just flew to Hawaii in December and I had my very first lounge access experience in the Centurion Lounge in Seattle. 10 out of 10 recommend. So this credit card, it gives you like special access to things like that? Yeah. So I opened that credit card, I believe in the end of 2022. So I've had it for a full year now. There is a high annual fee. But again, that's all of this is a business write-off. So I, this is an amazing credit card specifically for travel. So if you travel a lot for your business or even in your personal life and want to reap all the benefits and perks of travel, um, whether it's miles, lounge access, you know, clear, what is it, the clear and TSA pre-check and it, the list goes on and on. These credit cards have an endless amount of um, benefits and perks. They even have customer service reps that like call you every couple months just to check in with you. I think they have travel planners for you. So if I wanted to do a trip abroad, they'll help me plan that vacation. Um, yeah, so I love the credit card. Even if I'm in a season of not traveling a lot, I'm just racking up rewards and points and you're going to be spending all that money in your business anyway. So might as well have it be working for you in some capacity. Um, so whether that's a really good cashback credit card or a specific airlines miles credit card, whatever it is for you, that's going to benefit you and your lifestyle. I think it's really smart to be utilizing that. Um, and I've just been a super fan and very impressed with American Express since I became a partner with them before I was just using a credit card through my local bank and the benefits didn't even compare to this one. So I'm glad I made the switch and I think everyone should kind of look into credit and how they're spending their money within their business and making sure they're getting the full capacity of rewards that they can be for spending all this money. What's one thing you bought in 2023 that you feel like was a great use of your money? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so 2023 was actually a season for me of not spending a lot of money. Um, I'm sure there would be something. I'm not, I'm not positive. I think, honestly, okay. just on this, like, a simple front of it is I've put a lot of money into Skin Butter, which is one of my um, skincare lines that I retail, and really growing to carry the entire Skin Butter line within my treatment room. Um, that's been huge for me and my clientele, my overall revenue and income, bringing on, I brought on Epicutus, so I carry the lipid serum and lipid recovery masks. So again, I guess just investing in my retail is probably my best purchases of 2023. It was a low season of spending money on any type of like device or mortality or mm -hmm. anything new in that area. Yeah. I mean, 
even skincare and back bar is expensive. So mm-hmm. we know it. <laughs> yeah, it hurts a little bit. It stinks. I wanted to ask you also, what do you think is one thing an esthetician could do to be more profitable? Uh, invest in your education. Utilize your time or optimize your time in the treatment room. So if you're doing services on clients, really look at what it is that you are making per hour, regardless of what service you are providing. So for me, I will always keep brows on my menu and I have kept brow clients on my menu for the entirety of my career. They're a huge passion for mine. There was a time when I was offering brows, lash lifts, and really diving into hydrofacials and skincare. And I'm obviously going to be making more in an hour doing a facial than I am doing a lash lift or my brow clients. So I really had to adjust. This was a few years back, but where are my passions here? I'm making X amount on a facial in an hour, but I'm only making, you know, I might be making over $200 in an hour on a facial, but I'm making $75 or $80 in an hour on a lash lift. You should kind of evaluate, you know, if that's important to you and you want to maintain those services. How can you maybe sell lash lift retail that your clients, you know, lash retail that your clients might need so you can optimize your sale, that point of sale for that hour? Um, Do you need to raise your prices? Do you need to cut costs on your back bar, back end? I think it's really good to assess how much you're making hourly, regardless of what service you're doing. So now for me, I do $27 brow waxes and I can do four in an hour. And if someone adds on a lip wax or a tint, I can do that in that time spot as well. And then now a lot of my brow clients are also skincare customers. So we'll be having conversations on the treatment table uh, about their skincare needs. And they'll obviously see all of my retail lined up and they might never get a facial from me or have not been a facial client but I'm either converting them to be a facial client or they're now just a skincare um, consumer for my retail. So now those four brow clients in one hour where I could be making just $100 compared to maybe two to $300 on a facial in an hour, those sales are now going sometimes more than what I'll make during a facial because I'm getting retail sales, I'm getting add-ons, I'm converting them to skincare clients as well. Sounds like you're saying talk about retail and product. Yeah. So I think retail, I think assessing what services you're doing, are you priced accordingly? Do you need to raise your prices or cut costs anywhere that can help you be more profitable for that specific service? Um, and then, you know, candidly and authentically talking to your clients about their needs because you might convert them to a higher dollar service. You might get them on better skincare at home. Um, I think it's just being really self-aware, really intentional with your clients, having good conversations with your clients, opening up different conversations in different areas that you can help them. And yeah, again, I'm going to hammer this in, but I think retail has been like one of the biggest ways for me to increase my revenue because at a certain point, you are going to max out your capacity with seeing treatments in the treatment room. If you're fully booked or booked out and you've already raised your prices and maybe you're the top in your area, without beginning to hire a team and scale your business, retail is going to be a way you can have an endless cap of income potential. 
how does that conversation go? Say you're doing somebody's brows and you want to sell them, say, skin better vitamin C, retinol. How do you bring it up in a way that feels natural for somebody who's listening who would want to do that but doesn't know how or feels like it would be awkward or salesy? I think one of the simplest ways is presenting your room in a way to where your retail is a highlight in your room because usually your client might bring it up first. Now, if your client's not bringing it up first, maybe there's no need for them, but you could always just talk about, like, if it's a new client, for example, like, hey, what brings you in today? Like, if I have a new brow client, how did you find me? How did you hear about me? They might also bring up like my other services or like, oh, have you had a facial? I do hide your facial and I sell, you know, Skin Butter and Glymed and, you know, Epicutus. Um, skincare is my passion. I really geek out when I get to talk about, you know, creating home care regimens. So if you ever need anything with your skin, I'm your girl. And just kind of opening that conversation, not being afraid to kind of pimp yourself out to your clients. That might be. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I feel like that's. That's such a great, friendly, casual way to approach it. And for me, kind of putting myself in the client's shoes, like there's been times I've been in hair salons and the products look so inviting, like they're set up so cute. I want to buy something, but the provider never brings it up or there's no like introduction to it. So I don't feel like I can look at things or touch them or ask questions. So I think just even a small little bridge to let people know, like, you're also welcome to buy this and I can tell you more about it. That's actually a huge point too. I think it's um, what you said about picturing yourself as a consumer or a client or customer in any other business be aware of what you feel when you go get your hair done or go get a massage or enter a new business for the first time. What are the things that you're feeling or thinking when you are at another establishment and how can you kind of be in your client's head more in your own establishment? And, you know, for me, that's from the second they walk in, making sure, hey, would you like water or a snack? You know, whatever it is you offer. Do you need the restroom before we go back? There is a bathroom in our lobby right over here you need anything, you know, let me know. So just kind of being super communicative with your clients and opening that up. And then when I bring them back, you know, yeah, introducing them to your space, maybe. So just saying like, hey, here's a chair, you can set your stuff wherever. I have all my retail here. If you have any questions, you know, let me know. I retail Skin Better and Glymed and, you know, XYZ. And then, yeah, just kind of being overly communicative with your clients I think is more so helpful than not and being aware that of how you feel in other spaces when you're a client as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think everything you said is kind of hosting the client and just being a good host and letting them know you know yeah yeah there's options for them as well because it can almost feel like off limits Mm-hmm. Or like, ah, I don't want to be weird and ask. But then it's like, why would you feel weird? That would be great if you bought product. But so you need, true. you kind of want the invitation. We need to be babied sometimes. So, so do our clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of clients, Miracle, how do you handle no-shows, late cancels, that kind of thing? I feel like that's a big theme I've seen just in the Instagram 
conversation as of late. I think especially since COVID, it's been an interesting thing that's kind of been heightened, like a lot more cancellations and and it does affect providers. So how do you handle that? Definitely. That can be a really hard area to navigate. I think first, um, it's hard being a solo esthetician or solo business owner where you're the you are the only person putting these boundaries in place and people know it, right? So at previous jobs where you're working for someone else, you can blame the business, you can blame your boss. You can just say, this is, you know, it's not me. I'm so sorry. We just have this policy. But now you are the policy and you are the big girl and you have to put on your big girl pants and um, stand firm in your in your boundaries and what your policies are. So I think first and foremost, it's getting clear on what that is for you. Second, it's practice. You have to practice doing it. It gets easier to do it the more you do it. Um, I still let it slide with people. I still am working on it. Every single time I have a last minute cancel or no show, it's something I'm still practicing. But the more I've done it, the easier it does get. I also following other estheticians on Instagram who can kind of give you that encouragement and reassurance and validation. Like, yes, you are doing the right thing. You, It's just business. It's not personal. Um, Ashley Curtis, we both love her. Uh, she, I think, recently had a really good post on, and she always kind of is talking about this and reinforcing this and encouraging other estheticians to set firm in their policies and boundaries and, you know, be a good and consistent business owner. Um, she's been a big encouragement to me, honestly, since day day one of becoming an esthetician. I've followed Ashley. Um, so I think learning from other estheticians, getting that inspiration and validation and support from other estheticians who are also doing the same thing, running a business, having the same struggles. Um, you know, you can even go to your your business owner friends and say, hey, I have this client in this situation. Like, how would you handle it? I'm really needing support or help right now with a reply or, you know, just how to handle a certain situation. So I think just setting yourself up in that way. But if your policies are listed on your site, on your booking site, you know, they're clear. You've put them in place. Now it's time to just practice enforcing them. Um, and then keeping the mindset that it is business, it's not personal. So I've had, you know, gold star A-list clients that I have charged the fees to that I would, it killed me to do it because the empath in me is like, no, like you don't need to pay at all. You're like my best customer. I do not need you to pay this fee, but it's just enforcing that and they get it. They get that. Oh, I respect Miracle. I respect her time. I you know, couldn't follow through with this obligation that I had. And so I have a consequence for that. And I think seeing that even your best clients can pay your fees and respect your policies and follow them and still be your clients and still be have a really good relationship with you. Again, it goes back to kind of like doing something and it's proved your thoughts and beliefs wrong on it. You know, a limiting belief on that might be that They'll hate you. They won't respect you. They'll never book again because you're charging them. When you see that none of that is true and you can continue to have a gold star client and good relationship with that client and continued business from that client, it gives you that confidence to continue to enforce your policies. 
And if it is a situation where it doesn't go the way you thought, then genuinely that's not the client for your business. And they're someone who doesn't respect you and is taking advantage of you. And quite frankly, they're not going to find another place in 2024 that they're not going to get the same treatment because everywhere has policies, cancellation fees, no-show fees. Every business these days has boundaries. So if someone wants to act that way, they're going to they're going to have something coming for them one way or another. So I hope that helped. <laughs> it's kind of a long-winded answer. It does. I think, you know, even Ashley's post was huge for our industry because yeah. she was talking about how you can phrase it and how you can tell people, you know, I still expect you to pay whether you are sick, something comes up and I feel that way, you know, should I have to miss an appointment? I just pay the fee and move on. And I feel like when clients can see that message, they can almost empathize and see like, oh, this is Tess's account. Like I know Tess, I know Miracle, I know her as a person. This is what she's going through as a business owner. They can kind of better empathize. I feel like that no shows, late cancels, that can be a big source of lost revenue for providers. Something else that has been challenging for me, I've experienced this a couple times throughout the year. I'm curious if you have as well, but chargebacks, people filing chargebacks with their credit card company and just not paying your service fee. Have you experienced that at all? I haven't. Um, because honestly, this is where I'm not perfect. I still don't really charge the card on file. I send my clients an invoice to be paid. Um, unless they give me like permission to card charge the card on file. That's something I've just struggled with. If for me, I will send the invoice to the client and if they choose not to pay it, they're not my client. They cannot rebook yeah. with me. And that's just kind of how I operate. It's been a little mm. bit more comfortable for me in terms of just charging the card for a client and then having to deal with situations like that. However, that is so unfortunate. I think everyone does have the right for their business too. I mean, they're putting their card on file. They are aware you have the right to charge that card on file. To me, if it really gets to that point, unfortunately, it's just a lot. Like you have to eat it. It's the cost of doing business with, you know, not always the greatest of clients and then they'll no longer be your client. And it's just kind of like brush your hands off and move on. And it's unfortunate, but yeah, yeah, that's, it's, that's just sometimes the name of the game with business. And I feel like if it gets to that point, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's probably not worth the fight at that point in time. And you know that they're not a client that you want going forward. You see another side of humanity sometimes when you're a business owner and it can be really, really surprising. But for the most part, I think like 95, 98% of, of at least my clients and I'm sure most of yours are incredible. So that's what we have to remind ourselves of. It, it has its hard moments for sure, but yeah, I, think I agree. Usually, like you said, majority of the time, the client will say, you know, if they did late cancel or even no show me and they maybe they overslept or something, which has happened to me, or they were <laughs> a dodge and I'm so sorry, I lost track of time and I completely missed my appointment. But it usually follows up with for me, 
I'm so sorry, Miracle. Go ahead and charge my card. Like, charge my card. Charge me for my fee. That's typically when you've put those boundaries in place and policies, I feel like for the most part, more than not, you're going to get those clients who understand and they're more than willing for you to just run their card on file or send them an invoice or however it is you, you do it. And then it's on you to say, oh, thank you so much for respecting that. I'll go ahead and charge that now or I will send that invoice now. And yeah, God bless those clients. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's still hard even when they're giving you permission. Like, yeah, you, I still sweat a little bit. And, uh, you still sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I did want to also ask if there is just any memorable client experience that you feel like has been a teachable moment for you that you want to share. Could be good, bad. Oh, gosh. I, I mean... <laughs> Ones that are coming to my head now are the times I'm dealing with a no-show or a cancellation. Um, You know, sometimes they're not graceful in how they're handling it. And the teachable moment there is to just remember you are the professional. You are running a business. It's literally not personal. It is just business. Mm -hmm. The reply should be such. Like, it should not be Mm -hmm. a personal reply out of, you know, oh, this client's really hurting my feelings or they're making me so upset or this is, you know, so upsetting or whatever it is, you need to remember, like, I'm going to reply as a business owner. This is how this is stated. You know, this has to be paid before you can see me again. Otherwise, I'd be happy to recommend a different facialist for you or esthetician for you. Um, So I think, yeah, those can be really teachable moments. Uh, and memorable moments when you have clients who don't respect your policies. Um, yeah, I'm I'm blanking on anything else right now. Have you ever had like a service go awry or, you know, you gave somebody a routine, it didn't work out, they were upset, anything like that? Um, I mean... Maybe more so in my early days. My first job, we dealt with a lot of walk-ins. And I feel like there's a difference, a huge difference for people who see me now and are my clients now because they usually know me first in a way. They know me Mm. through social media. They know me through, you know, they're a referral client. So they already have a good, you know, taste in their mouth about who I am. Um, Whereas... When I worked at a walk-in salon, they're walking in off the street. They have no first impression of you. They don't know your heart or who you are or have any preconceived notion of you. And so people back then would treat me a lot differently than my clients would ever treat me now. Um, Still nothing like super crazy or memorable, but it's just an interesting thing to see before my social media days and working in a walk-in salon, the way people will talk to you or get upset with you or, you know, pick a fight with you in a way um, versus I truly have not had to deal with that now. As far as someone who might not be getting results they need from like home care or services, again, I feel like my clients trust me a lot and they will usually just, I create a really good open line of communication with my client or I try to at least. So when something isn't working for them or they are having further issues, 
they, I feel like they feel safe to come to me and we troubleshoot it together and continue to work forward. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I'm blessed or lucky that nothing's coming to my head. Yeah, miracles is perfect. Sorry. How about you? Tell me one. (laughs) No, you know, some, I saw a story from an esthetician, on Instagram this week and it broke my heart because she was in tears and she'd had a couple of experiences where people were extremely upset about a result they weren't getting with uh, an acne program. I think they hadn't even started home care, so it was kind of crazy and off base to begin with. But I'm just curious, you know, because I don't get to talk to that many estheticians about, you know, client relationships, how things are really going. So I'm, I'm just interested to hear from more estheticians, you know, um, how they kind of handle these things, because I think skin, what we're doing, it can be very emotional. People come to us Mm -hmm. to look good and feel good. And I mean, I've even had brow, I was threading a brow threading experience where I really (laughs) didn't like it. She took most of my brows off. So I imagine you're kind of in a high risk position with something like that, given you're very good at what you do, but skin treating skin and acne, same thing. It is kind of a high risk, high reward business where people are, it's their face. They're yeah. They can be emotional. Part of it to me is over, what, is, what do they say? Under promise, over deliver. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hold key to that. I believe under promise, over deliver on your results. And the, I don't know, I think I'll, maybe I've blocked out negative things. I probably have. I've really blocked out my negative experiences. Um, but I think, however, again, going back to like, creating that safe space, that safe environment, and that good relationship with your client, that open line of communication with them, you know, make sure whatever your boundary is, whether it's a work phone or your personal phone or your Instagram, make sure they know how they can continue to reach out to you if they have any issues following their treatment or their home care. Tell them to take before and after photos because sometimes the proof is right there if they're mentally not feeling like they see results, but you literally have before and afters that are showing some progress it can kind of um, re-encourage them or they'll say, hey, oh, okay, like I do see that. That is improving. I don't know why I thought that wasn't or thank you for showing me that. Or So I don't know, just kind of like all these things and tips I picked up over the years of working with clients and running my business, I think have just set me up for success or maybe mm-hmm. prevented me from having experiences that are that do stand out in a negative light. Maybe I haven't had as many as others um, because I really try to learn from other estheticians, I feel like. And I think, again, just making your clients feel safe is the number one. If they're comfortable and feel safe to come to you with a complaint before going and writing a Google or Yelp review or, you know, bashing you on a community page or something, um, if you're genuinely a good person and show that you have empathy and care about them as a client and their needs, I think that will prevent a lot of distress. Hopefully. Totally agree. Yeah. And I think for the most part, like people can have concerns. Usually it's not tons of drama and a big ordeal, but I think what you're kind of talking about does come up a lot. Like people just feeling like, ah, am I progressing? Like, I'm just not sure. And then 
it does give the professional the opportunity to kind of explain and educate. Mm-hmm. I know that happens to me sometimes. People will be kind of confused because they don't know the acne process the way we do, and no. they they just might not recognize what is progress. So, oh, I thought of something for you, just so I don't tell seem us perfect. Lifting people's brows, like it's a very unfortunate thing to happen, but it happens. Um, so again, I think uh, nothing is coming up to me as a memorably negative experience because. In my first job, I would wax. I mean, I can't even tell you how many eyebrows I'd wax in a day sometimes. Um, We would lift their eyebrow, which is more skin coming up, you know, than that outer layer of dead skin. Sometimes you'd reveal a shiny, raw patch of skin. And there's a plethora of reasons why that could happen. So how we were taught, again, I feel like we were just taught to handle this very well don't be in denial. Acknowledge the issue. I think acknowledging when you're wrong, never pointing blame to the client. Don't say, oh, well, you lifted because you tanned or you are using a retinol and you didn't tell me that this is your problem. I think creating that, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you were using this really strong topical product. I should have double checked with you. I should have clarified that. You know, next time we're going to thread you. But for today, I'm going to send you home with you know, this ointment or this balm, this is how you're going to care for it. Please let me know in a couple of days how your skin is doing. I think it's all in how you handle a situation that can create the client being, oh, okay, she's telling me that this is normal, this will heal, this happens, this kind of sucks right now, but I might get them waxed in four weeks or start getting them threaded and have zero issue going forward because she's making it not an issue, you know? I love that. Acknowledge it empathize, provide some tools, remind them it's not the end of the world. Yeah. So yeah, that has happened to me quite a lot. Um, Not so much in the current future, of course, but in my past. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to say I'm not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody is. And, you know, these things happen to everyone. Skin reaction, skin lifting, Yeah, it's all in how you handle it. Okay, Miracle, my last question for you. I know you're super busy, but wanted to ask if you have any advice for planning maternity leave or even pregnancy if you need to take time off for that. What did you do with your business, your clients, your financials? How did you handle having a baby and preparing for that as a business owner? Yeah, so typically you'll find out um, what is it, nine, eight months before you're going to have this baby. So there's a blessing in that, that you have time to prepare. Uh, whether you were trying to have a family or not, you should be given some ample time to prep and prepare for your business. I personally had a savings for myself, and I really worked hard to build that savings to, through the duration of my pregnancy. So that through my I chose to take 10 weeks off from seeing clients. I knew for my personal life, for me and Tim, like I still had to pay myself. So I had enough saved and worked hard to do so to be able to pay myself every single Friday. That is how I operate my finances. I pay myself every Friday. Um, I made sure I had enough that through those 10 weeks, I would still be able to pay myself the same amount 
basically preparing a maternity fund for myself that I can still have that payroll go through every Friday to my personal account of that money that I need to survive. And then, you know, as far as like working the savings and other things and still having an income throughout your uh, maternity leave, that's going to look different for everybody. So you need to map that out and plan that out. Are you still going to show up online? Are you taking a break from that? Do you still want to do product pickups or ship product during your your time off? Because honestly, that's a huge source of income still. Um, and it kind of keeps face for you because it can be really hard disappearing for, you know, whether it's six weeks or 12 weeks, however long you decide to take off. Um, it can be hurtful a little bit to your business. So, or kind of sets you back or puts you in a place you didn't plan to be. Um, so I think just mapping out what is the capacity you want to show up during maternity leave, plan for it, know that things can change, of course, depending on your situation. And, you know, it's a whole new shift when you have a newborn of what you learn, what you can and can't do and what your capacities are. And you can always shift things and pivot, but you need to have a plan in place and set yourself up for success. So for me, that was that fund so that I continued to could continue to pay myself weekly. That was continuing to sell retail to my clients, um, scheduling product pickup or shipping product on a you know weekly basis, whatever it is. And actually for me as well, I do have one employee who started two months before my daughter was born and we share my room. She's a full W-2 employee or W-4, however you say it. Um, so she works on my off time because we both only work less than 20 hours a week in the treatment room. So I hired her as an employee. Um, she was able to take all of my clients. I had to get them to obviously trust her, but I just said, hey, if you want to maintain your monthly hydrofacials, I'm going to be out for two months. I would love for you to book with Madison so you can keep up on your treatment plan. Um, or, you know, if you need to keep up on your brows, trust me, she's amazing. Like she waxed my brows for years. She has the same amount of experience as me, like getting them to trust, you know, if they trust you and you're showing that you trust her, your clients should see that. And not all of them will, but a lot of them were able to book with her and I'm paying Maddie, obviously a commission off services. So that is still a source of income to my business. And yeah, so I think maternity leave will look different for every business, every situation, you know, that you're in. But I think giving yourself the time and the tools and a plan and mapping out what that will look like for you and, um, yeah, just setting yourself up for success the best you can and knowing that it's okay if you come back and you have to rebuild a little bit. I definitely did. You know, I had my books completely closed off because I didn't know for sure what it was going to look like for me to come back. And in a way, I kind of wish I didn't close them off 100%, but I kind of had to because, again, me and my husband had no idea what our schedules were going to be like with this new baby and how our days would look. Um, so I think if you know you have daycare set up, childcare, keeping your books open could help so you don't come back and open your books to zero clients on your books because – I think the ego part of me thought, it's fine when I open my books, they will be full again and everyone will come back. And that's truly not the case for so many reasons. I mean, I have clients who 
it just took them six to nine months to even get back on my books because they just were really bad at planning their appointments. They always had one to two or three appointments booked out with me prior. So when they didn't have any on the books, life just got in the way for them and they just took months longer to come back, you know, because they weren't pre-booked. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons that you might have to be ready to kind of be in that rebuilding phase coming back from maternity leave. But I can confidently say I'm back to where I was before and I'm very happy and business is doing good. Um, But I think just being aware that things are going to look different and you have to find your new normal and you have to prepare. It looks like you're doing a great job, Miracle. I'm so proud of you. And now you have a beautiful baby and a successful business. So you really are doing it all. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. (laughs) And you're so young too. You have so many years ahead of you. So I can't wait to see you hit that million dollar mark (laughs) and keep continuing to grow. Oh, thank you so much. It's honestly, I've always been inspired by you too. And your podcast has helped me so much. I mean, just all the education you put out and everything you do for our esthetician community is so, so appreciated. Um, Anytime someone asks me about a podcast or a resource to follow like you are, absolutely on my list and have been for a few years now so thank you too thank you miracle i love you guys i love our industry and it's so cool to feel like yeah it's just cool to have a community i feel like that's so important for all of us do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with us anything i didn't ask anything you want to say the mic is yours um i don't think so i think everyone should Hopefully you got value from this. I would love it if you follow me and didn't follow Tessa, that you go follow her and vice versa. If you follow Tessa and you're just hearing about me, yes. um, continued support in creating relationships on social media. Creating esthetician relationships through Instagram has probably been, like you just said, the sorority feeling. Like one of the coolest things mm-hmm. about what we do mm-hmm. and is the relationships we've made. I mean, even just planning um, trips for hydrofacial events or the IECSC in Vegas or, you know, the other events and getting to actually meet people you've been friends with or you're just traveling and you, you know, if I came down Mm -hmm. to Utah and I get to see Mm -hmm. someone I followed for years and been talking to on DMs and I get to go book an appointment with them or get coffee with them, it's just been an amazing experience. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I just love our industry so much. And yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on Miracle. I know you have a lot going on. You make it look easy, but just thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. We love and adore you. So please come on anytime. I feel like you're just a great a great guest to have on your wealth of knowledge. I feel like with Miracle, there's just so much I could ask her and that you guys wanted to know. So I'm sure we'll do more episodes in the future. Yeah, I'll see you in another two years. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully sooner than that. All righty. Well, thank you so much again. And thank you guys for listening. Do make sure you give Miracle a follow. I'm going to put her social media info below. Thanks, Miracle. Thank you.